All right, I think we're live. Um, hey, everybody, welcome to our first online info session. We are excited to meet you. Uh, we're excited to, to present a little bit about what Prenda is and what we're all about. I just want to introduce myself really quick. Um, my name is Kaylin Sharp. I've been working with Prenda for the last couple of years. Uh, I'm on the growth team. And um, we, uh, we've been doing events like this all over the state of Arizona in various communities and lots of different venues. And we decided to try an online info session so that we could, um, so that we could just reach people who aren't able to catch our live events and who, uh, who wanna know more about Prenda. So if you're watching on YouTube, the best thing to do to interact with us, uh, if you look to the right side of the video, depending on what format you're on, if you're on mobile, it might look a little bit different. Um, but there's a live chat box that you're going to want to watch and um, ask your questions in there. There's ways that you can, there's just a little field there where you can type in your question or, or your, what you want to say, hit enter, and I'll be watching that. I'll kind of be our MC for uh, the info session today. I also want to introduce really quickly Kelly Smith, who's uh, the CEO and founder of Prenda. Um, he's going to, you'll, you'll be hearing from him here shortly, as well as Rochelle Gibson, who is also on the growth team and is heading up an awesome team of, of recruiters and has talked to hundreds of parents and moms all around the state about what Prenda is. So um, I'm going to get started by uh, kicking it over to Rochelle. And um, actually, I, I think we're going to do a little icebreaker, right, guys? Is that, the, is that the plan? So for all of you, can you guys hear me OK? OK, just want to make sure that's working. Um, so for all of you that are watching on YouTube, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. The, the question that we came up with for today was, um, sorry, I've got some audio playing in my ear trying to, trying to stop it. Uh, so the question we came up with that we'd like you to answer via the chat is, describe the moment where you realized that school wasn't working for you or for your child. Is that, did I catch that question right, Rochelle and Kelly? So yeah. we've, we've talked to parents all over the state about this. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, so maybe just type in the, the comments in, in the chat. Describe the moment that you realized that school as it currently exists or is defined was not working for you or your child. We're going to wait with some awkward silence while we see if the... See if we can get some conversations going. So it looks like we've got um, a few people in the chat. We've got Rain, Holistic Mama, and Lisa Costello. Good morning, everybody. It's probably a few seconds of lag from our broadcast to your seeing this, but um, we'll wait a few seconds for some responses to come in. Rochelle, you're a mom. Maybe talk, talk to us about um, when you realized it wasn't working for your kids. Well, that was really early on with my kids and um, my, I, in the financial crisis of 2008, my husband's a builder, we got hit pretty hard and I had been a stay at home mom and went back to teaching high school geometry. And my youngest was three at the time. And over the ne next year and a half, I was trying to figure out what to do for her um, care. That's, and my kids were going to the local public school that we had chosen. We bought a house because it was in that school district. And when my daughter was a pre-K, um, my daughter that's just older than her, when my youngest daughter was a pre-K, my daughter just older than her was in first grade. And my youngest was going to a Montessori preschool. And I 
realized that my pre-K and my first grader were doing the exact same work. And I was like, hmm, there might be something I want to look at here. And so we shifted into um, a Montessori, a private Montessori, and just, you know, had a lot of scholarship and a lot of sacrifice. So that happened really, really early on for me. And um, and so Prenda, like I got to see this and I go, this is what I've been paying $8,000 a year for and it's free. And it's in a lot of ways, there's some things that I like even better than what we've been getting, so. Awesome, thanks. So we've had a couple of people. We've had Jessica Walker and Holistic Mama. Um, and, and I apologize, Holistic Mama, if you have a real name, I don't know what your real name is. So <laughs> I'm just gonna use your handle on YouTube. So Holistic Mama says, when I was in elementary school, but realized it even more when my son started school, I've seen him go through the same struggles I did growing up. We've definitely heard that before. Uh, another uh, Jessica says, when the classes were so full that they weren't growing, data was more important than their actual learning. Another thing we've definitely heard a lot. And then Lisa says, when I was teaching my child more at home about what she learned during the day, and when the teachers told me I had no right to teach my child at home, <laughs> So we'll have to add that to our list of wow. uh, crazy, crazy things we've heard people say. Um, Rain also just said, when I realized he was learning more home from a trip to the park than hours slash days <laughs> at school, yeah. he also started having issues with his behavior caused by anxiety of the craziness. Yeah. Definitely things we've heard. We hear all well, cool. of Thanks. Thanks, you guys, for... Um, for kind of breaking the ice and helping us get to know you a little bit. It's tough when we can't see you face to face, but uh, that's why we wanted to have a little discussion before we get started. So I'm gonna just kick it over to Rochelle so she can start talking to you about what Prenda is and where we've come from and, and I'll let her take it away. Cool. So uh, my name's Rochelle Gibson. I live in Mesa and um, I heard about Prenda in November and within a week of talking to Kelly, um, talking to Kelly's wife and visiting a couple of classrooms, I, I pretty much instantly just went, this is it. Like I've spent so much time in my life thinking about education. I was one of those weird kids that was homeschooled back in the eighties. I was the only kid in my town. My family were the only ones in our whole town that nobody had ever even heard of it, let alone would consider it. And so I, and then I went to public high school and, and, private university, community college, public university. And then my kids have been in every possible educational setting. I've taught in a charter school. I've taught in private and public environments. And so, and I've done a lot of thinking about what drives kids and, and what makes them tick and how they learn. And so as soon as I heard this, I just, it was just my, it really blew my mind. And so within a week of of kind of looking at it, I went to Kelly and said, I need to work with you in this um, and take this to everybody. At the time we had 30 students and I could just see the demand, the need, the, the how cool it would be to hand over learning to a kid and um, what they would do with it. Because a lot of times we don't give them credit for what they, for they don't, we don't give them the credit they deserve as human beings who are like they're not ours to shape and form, they're ours to guide and mentor and and they have their own path. And I love that Prenda helps them find their path in a way that I've never seen anything happen educationally. 
So I'm gonna go ahead and start a screen share. My tech people make sure I'm doing this right. I'm pretty new at this stuff. Um, and, okay, we good? Looks good. Okay, thanks. So neighborhood school reimagined. I love the fact that it's neighborhood school. One of the things that I've recognized about um, about school choice, for example, is that oftentimes school choice leaves behind the people who need it the most. And and um, there's an, a widening gap for for kids, you know, in in lower socioeconomic situations and things like that. And that was one of the things that I loved is that we stay in the neighborhood. We could take a, a an adult, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me talk about what our mission is. Empowering learners. So when we talk about empowering learners, um, there's a lot of thought and emphasis that's gone into this. We recognize that we're not creating them, they already exist. We're just giving them a, a platform where they can take that. And if you watch little kids, like three and four-year-olds and their curiosity, watch a three or four-year-old at the park, a two-year-old and the things that they do, and then watch a 10-year-old that's at school, it's a very different feeling of, of what learning looks like. And so, um, so our job is to create a space for them to actually learn, not to deliver content to them, not to force them into anything, but to allow them the space to learn and, and encourage them to choose that. So I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna pass it on to Kelly for this next couple of slides. Yeah, thanks Rochelle. And uh, thanks everybody for being here. I uh, just wanted to share a little bit about the, um, the Prenda story and, and what we're all about. So I don't know, when I'm talking, it's probably cutting to my face. So maybe I need to share the same things for you guys to be able to see the slides. Um, let me share my screen and that should work just fine. Um, Prenda got its start. I, I'm Actually, one of these. Sorry, okay. real quick, Kelly, just so you know, it, it is still showing the slides. So you don't need oh, to good. worry about sharing okay. your own screen. I won't share my screen then. Um, I'm one of these people that, um, oh wait, is it still showing my screen? I think okay. I turned it off, so let me turn it back on. Yeah, thanks for bearing with us, you guys. I'll start with just sort of me. I did not um, become a, an educator on purpose. I, I have always believed in education, but I was, it sounds like somebody said they saw it in elementary school. <laughs> I saw it in elementary school and high school and um, definitely felt like man, there's gotta be a better way for learning to happen here. Um, you guys, I'm so sorry, there's a vacuum. <laughs> uh, hopefully you can still hear me. The, um, I'm in a, a hotel space, like a, a lobby. Um, I um, sold a software business in 2013. And at that point, I, I felt pretty strongly about trying to do something that mattered for my community. So I went down to the public library and I opened what I called Code Club. I just started teaching kids computer programming. Um, we like put up posters around the neighborhood. Hey, come learn how to make a video game, learn how to make a website. Um, if this is too distracting, you guys just let me know, Rochelle. I'm thinking let's not do the share and then we can see your face and I think that will help. Um, can we see Kelly's face right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm right. As I talk, I think we should show up. But like, can you even hear what I'm saying? I guess this is- Yeah, we can. Guys, I, I can, you're good. Kaylin, right. are we, or can you see Kelly's face? Yes, yeah, it's fine. Okay, perfect. All right, so 
the story was I started Code Club really as a volunteer initiative. My um, oldest son was eight at the time, and I just felt like um, I felt like, hey, I'm going to teach my kids to code, so I might as well teach other kids to code from the neighborhood. Um, I had used computer programming for a lot of my career, so I felt like that was um, that was something I wanted to do. And what was interesting about it was kids would come and they would learn to code and they really felt empowered and engaged through the learning. Um, I basically learned two things as a part of Code Club. One was that um, that learning is a choice. So these same kids that I would see show up to Code Club, I knew them, I knew some of them and I knew their struggles at school. They were um, getting into trouble, they were bored, they were frustrated, they were behind for many different reasons. They hated school. And yet they would show up to my code club and I would give them some prompts and some ideas and direction, but then they would take ownership of their learning and do amazing work with it. So they were able to put together um, really successful, you know, learning, right? They were going and doing tutorials and learning how to build websites and they were doing projects that were truly astonishing. Um, and as I was watching that and comparing it in my head, like I know what school feels like and I know what this feels like, and it's a very different thing. And what I noticed at the core of all of that was this choice to be a learner, to think of yourself as someone that's capable of learning something, and then you know the subsequent work that goes into it so that you're able to successfully um, be a learner. So that was kind of point number one, is learning is a choice, and I watched many, many kids have that choice. We grew that code club to where I saw um, probably personally worked with 2,000 kids at the library, and then we uh, started supporting other libraries. We now have, there's a, a map on these slides, but we've kind of skipped off of it, where we have code clubs in 30 plus states all over the country, and we're working with you know, close to 15,000 kids in computer programming. So that was kind of the beginnings of this, and as I was watching Code Club, I realized, okay, learning's a choice, and the second thing I, I noticed, and this was part of as we expanded, we would go to different libraries and we would find, um, you know, a group of people that wanted to do Code Club, but um, but we would have no expert in the room that could, could do it. Meanwhile, in other places, we did have experts, and we would put the experts in there. The experts did poorly. The librarians who just loved the kids and were able to kind of be humble and learn alongside them, they did amazingly well. And what, and what I realized from all of that was that the public school system and sort of our, our traditional approach is looking for the wrong attributes, right? An adult can be super, super helpful in empowering a learner and helping a kid decide to, to be that, you know, be a learner for life. But, um, but many times, too many times, that's not what we're looking, what the traditional system is looking for in the adult. And so what I said is, you know, this is a little, um, you know, deliberately edgy, but teaching is impossible. And what I mean by that is just, if you, um, if you've got a kid that doesn't want to learn, and you're determined to force information in, into that person's head, it's not going to work. It's going to be this um, impossible thing. You, you can maybe get them to do some worksheets or to like regurgitate some stuff on a standardized test, but you can't get them to really get it or care about it or, or learn it unless they make that decision to be a learner. And so starting with Prendo, you know, we looked at both of these things. Learning is a choice. Teaching is impossible. And we said, what if school could be built on these principles, right? Like what if, what if all of school was around taking that child at the center and inviting them to be a learner, to see all the benefit and fun that comes with engaging with the world that way, 
and then change the adult into a guide and a support for that learner, right? And, and they play a really critical role and an important role, but it's not about, you know, kind of trying to push information. Uh, it's much more about like coaching and, and mentoring and guiding along the process. So this is what we learned from Code Club in the beginning. I had this moment where I talked to, you know, some of my helpers and friends that were, were with me at the very beginning. And I said, you guys, we've been doing coding, but what if, what if all of school could be this way? And uh, it was a humbling kind of realization that, you know, math and science and social studies and English and personal finance and entrepreneurship and whatever you want kids to learn, you can learn all of these things and more through um, a, a very different approach to school. And that was the beginning of it. Um, we'll talk, Rochelle's going to explain kind of how we structured structured the model, but I wanted you to kind of have that story as to, you know, the beginnings of Code Club, or of the beginnings of Code Club, which led to me saying, hey, let's make a micro school. And I actually did get seven of my friends to pull their kids out of school and send them to my house every day for, you know, for their actual education. And we did all of these subjects and uh, learned a ton together and, and really built, built the model. Uh, this was back in 2018. And now we have, uh, we have grown and we've got lots of people participating and continue to just get better at delivering the type of, of environment where a kid will decide to become a learner and they'll get the skills and equipment and, and you know habits and resources that they need to be a learner for life. I probably talked too much, but that's, that's the background in the story. And Rochelle, I'll go back to you now. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Kaylin, do you have any questions that need to be answered right now? Before no, I, I think, on? no, there was one person who said they were going to save their questions for the end. And I'm sure there's more than one that would feel the same way. So yeah, let's keep going. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to kind of like jump back and forth between um, sort of the slide and my face because I feel disconnected when I can't see you guys. So maybe if I can see me, I can connect to you. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about the Prenda model. Uh, we, we at Prenda, we have three modes of learning. So every day when a kid comes, there will be three parts to their day, conquer, collaborate, and create. Um, love, I, I love how these all work. And I'm gonna walk you through each of them and tell you some stories um, that I've, you know, experiences I've had with kids and, and the way it works. So the first thing is conquer, and, and we call it that because it's the part of the day that you just gotta get done. You know, it's, it's math, reading, writing, and grammar. For a lot of kids, um, especially in traditional settings, these are not the reasons they go to school. When you ask um, kids what their favorite thing is, uh, I, my, <laughs> I have a son that goes to a, um, a school that has a four day week, and I asked him what his favorite part of school is, and he said, not going to school on Fridays. And I'm like, hmm, when not going to school is your favorite part of school, there, there might be a problem with what's going on. So what you're seeing here on the screen is um, we have two different uh, ways that we do our model. And one is a K2 version, kindergarten through second grade. That's what you're seeing on the left. And the other is third through eighth grade. That's what you're seeing on the right. But I want to talk about the principles of Conquer um, before I get into that. And uh, so... The principles of Conquer are, um, I feel like my video isn't working. Hang on, sorry. Sorry, I'm really bad at, uh, at, well, we're just gonna stick with the slide. I can't see me, I can see you, Kelly, but I can't see me. Um, I'm really bad at technology, just so you all know. 
You'll but find really that. Really, that is a, is a fixed mindset, Rochelle. You just haven't <laughs> learned it yet. I am learning technology, and this is my first <laughs> time on a Google Hangout. So, so this is so I'm feeling a little bit, you know, whatever. Anyway, let me tell you about Conquer. So, Conquer mode is all about individualized learning. So, the beauty. Let me give an example. So, I substituted a classroom shortly after I started working with Prenda. I substituted a classroom for a woman who was a guide that needed him to take a maternity leave. And so I spent six weeks with this group of boys that ended up growing and they ended up adding a couple of girls, one of which was my daughter. And I just wanna give you an example of what I talk about in um, individualized learning. So on the right, you see Khan Academy. That's what we use for math in third to eighth grade. And it's one of the tools that allows us to provide individualized learning. So all of the, principles of conquer individualized learning working to mastery and and being able to be in a place where you're making you're setting goals and achieving those goals every day those are kind of the three big parts of conquer and and as you look at as at adulthood like those matter a lot um so let me speak specifically about mastery it's this idea that and i was a math teacher and so as i taught high school geometry and and i saw kids struggle I realized that the struggle rarely came from a geometry concept. It generally came from a gap that came from fourth, fifth, or sixth grade math and didn't allow them to compute quickly enough to stay up with the class. And so that's one of the things I love about mastery learning and, and the software we use in a couple of different um, subjects so that kids are not leaving themselves with gaps, so that all those gaps get filled and they're working exactly where they need to work. So in this classroom that I was talking about, I'm going to tell you about three boys. They're all sixth graders. One of them is named Riley, and he's um, he's a sixth grader, and he just toward the end of this, this his sixth grade year, he finished eighth grade math, and and it wasn't a challenge. Like he just that's how his brain works. It was amazing. In that same classroom, there's a kid named Mo who, when I started um, subbing, he was at about thirty percent of third grade math. And he was with all fifth and sixth graders and they were all working at grade level except for him at that time. And he felt really dumb. He thought he was stupid. And as we started to talk um, about, and I talked to his mom and found out that he had been in two um, educational environments that didn't emphasize academics at all. And so we talked and I said to him, I said, you haven't been given the tools to, um, to have these skills by the adults in your life haven't given you the tools you need. This has nothing to do with your brain. And he listened and he accepted that. And and then over the next 13 weeks, he finished third grade and finished fourth grade. And he's into fifth grade now and working in it over the summer. And he started taking, you know, he was taking his computer home at on the weekends and at night. And nobody was telling him to. And that's where I saw a lot of power in this. Um, and then Sean, who's another kid that was in the class, has struggled with a learning disability, likely dyslexia, and in this same classroom was working in second and third grade writing and math. And so to put this group of boys together, and especially Sean, who when he came in with his permission, we had a conversation with the group and talked to the group about his brain and his struggles and his strengths and the things he needed. And I watched all of these other kids that were his peers embrace him and celebrate his successes in second and third grade. And like, I've never seen a situation that allows for something like that. So needless to say, Conquer is one of my favorite pieces. And in spite of the fact that it's individualized, it's the time of the day that they're, that um, 
the little kids are in their workbooks and using manipulatives and working at their own pace and exactly where they need to be and the older kids are on their computers doing the same thing it's a very beautiful collective of helping each other in that process so that's the first part of the day um, in our yeah go ahead you didn't you didn't mention that mo is now known as the math addict oh math <laughs> mo is known as a math addict and when you ask mo what his favorite subject is he says yeah. math so it's just I, I think that does capture you know conquer is it's something you have to do we you know we are state funded and we agree to learn math and english standards so we look at this as we're going to learn what we need to learn but at the same time we can turn it into a game we can get that feeling of exhilaration by overcoming you know these these obstacles and, and it's okay if we're not there yet and we need to do it at our own pace in some cases you're going to go way ahead of what the quote the state wants you to be at in other cases it's going to be behind that but like the, the point is progress and, and moving forward. Caitlin, I think you were gonna say something. Yeah, I was just gonna mention, um, there was one comment from Lisa that as you were talking about Conquer and, and some of the challenges we're trying to address, um, Rochelle, she said, it's not just in public schools, it's also seen in charter schools, private schools, and even in homeschool co-ops, it's an issue across the board. And she said, I agree with your points. There's also a question from Rain that you may wanna answer now, or you may wanna answer it later on in the presentation, but I just wanted to, to highlight it, Rain says, so this is like homeschool with more kids. And she said, curious to find out what is required in the adult teaching or guiding. Okay, so um, we'll answer both of those. Let me answer the first one now and the second one a little bit later. Um, when, I, when I do sort of my um, 30 second intro of what Prenda is, I say, we establish micro schools in informal settings like homes where ideally we have eight to 10 kids in a three grade range working together with an adult that loves them, supports them and motivates them. So hopefully, so we feel like we've kind of, if you have a Venn diagram of homeschool, online school, traditional school, there's this sweet spot where there are po positive things from every single one of those environments. And we feel like we've found the sweet spot in all of those other, um, educational possibilities. So um, let me tell you about the next part of our of our day. I love what Kelly included about Conquer. I mean, it's one of the things that's super cool is watching kids in a, like creating a collaborative goal in Conquer and watching them work, like they, them knowing that their work goes toward the collective, like, their individual work goes towards the collective. There's some really powerful stuff that we've found in that process. So in Collaborate. Sorry, sorry, real quick. One question from Rain that is directly related to Conquer that you may want to answer now is she asked what amount of their school day is spent on the screen? So it depends on the age. Um, in the K2 model, it's, I my understanding is somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. And in the, uh, in the third through eighth, that is, in a lot of ways, depends on on what they're doing that day. Kelly and I talk a lot about this. This is a question a lot of people have. Conquer is 90 to 120 minutes, generally speaking. And that, in the third through eight, is, is all on devices. We look at the computer as a beautiful tool to open up the world to kids. And so sometimes part of Collaborate is on computers, and sometimes part of Create is on computers. Both of those situations, they're being used as tools for them to prepare themselves for the, that part of the day. Does that, do you, Kelly, do you have anything you want to add to that? 
Yeah, I think that the main thing to look at is the way the way the tool is used in addition to the tool, right? So if a computer is a tool, um, a pencil is a tool, a calculator is a tool, um, you can see a difference in a kid that's just like zoned out, you know, like watching Netflix versus watch watch one of the kids, and you may get little glimpses of it in some of these videos. Like I don't know, but there's pieces that you'll see where you know they're they're like writing a document in collaboration with an, another kid, so it's like. I'm sitting with this other person in person, but I'm writing my paragraph and they're writing their paragraph and we're giving feedback back and forth. You see some of these and it's like, oh, this doesn't feel like screen time. And then of course, Rochelle said for the younger kids, it really is like, let's write these letters on paper and let's make sure that we understand what 10 feels like, you know, in blocks and abacuses and things like that. So a lot of the, the motor and kind of foundational stuff, the youngers, and then as they are ready for it, using looking at a, at a computer as a you know a tool that an activity personalization um, in a way that we think is very healthy and you know the kids spend one answer i've had to this question is they spend a lot less time uh on a computer than i do in my job you know <laughs> um but that's not to say that that's fine like the, the point is not to get them on the computer as much as possible the point is to learn and to the extent that a computer can be a tool Great, and there's lots of other tools. I mean, you'll, you'll see as you kind of engage with some of our materials that there's lots going on. Awesome, thank you. So in Collaborate, um, in, our, in our younger, there's some overlap between our older kids and younger kids. One of those places is called um, time travel in the younger kids and exploration in the older kids. And they have a, so imagine in their classroom, a map of the world, um, and potentially one of the United States and a timeline. And all of Collaborate is student-led. That's one of my favorite things about Collaborate is they have a schedule and they're in charge of that day's activity. And so um, what, th like if it's exploration or time travel that we're talking about, the kid will walk up to the map and point to a place on the map and point to a spot on the timeline. And collectively they will, they will research that time and place in history. So it's sort of like Magic Treehouse style. Um, I love that. That's one of the ways we do history. Some of our other collaborative activities are debate, Socratic discussion. We do math puzzles that are collective that are really fantastic. And then science projects. Um, in our younger kids, uh, some of those things are like going on a nature walk and bringing back a sample, a rock, a, a leaf, a bug, you know, whatever it is that they bring back and they discuss as a, as a group. So again, the principles are the same whether it's our younger kids or older kids, this idea of, of learning to respect the person that's talking, learning to have an opinion, learning to share that opinion. Um, in like We see so much value in teaching third and fourth and fifth graders the, the skill of debate. The idea that in our very polarized world, kids would be able to see both sides of an argument, to stand in somebody else's shoes has so much power. And we believe that brings a lot of um, ability to communicate and and to have just clear relationships with people as they grow older like these are the coolest part for me is as i think about what school does school is about like traditional school is about what you learn and then dump i have a sister that's in her second year of dental school just finished and she tells me about taking these classes and then intentionally sort of dumping the material to make and and i just think to myself so much of what we do in school is we we then dump because it's not something that applies to our actual real life as as young human beings or adults and these are 
skills that will apply through every part of their life, through every relationship. And that's a really beautiful piece. As they're learning, they're also like becoming this more refined human being. And when I say refined, so one of the things we talk about, and I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it here, um, is most people, and, and that initial question, that icebreaker question we asked of when was it in your life that you realized that the school was not gonna work for you or your child, like traditional models, and you needed to look for something else. Every person at some point, and it's really early, and, and adults especially, but kids with regards to education, things happen to them that are damaging and traumatic, and we end up putting, putting armor to protect ourselves from in those places. So it might be around a specific subject. Um, I would love to have Kelly talk about what his was around art. Do you wanna share that, Kelly? Yeah, I mean, I can just do the quick version. I, uh, I have this memory from kindergarten where, um, where I, I vividly remember like it was early in the, the school year and we're all coloring a paper. And I remember that my teacher coming over and just being like so tall above me. And, um, and I think she was a nice teacher, but this is the one day I remember, which was, she told me you're doing it wrong, you know, color, coloring the paper. I was, uh, I was coloring incorrectly. And it was just, it was this like moment where I just like, I felt very strongly that I didn't want to do the wrong thing. You know, if I wanted to please this person and I wanted to like, go by the system and um, and it like, you know, who knows what it, what it did, but just it stuck with me to the point where ever after that, I'm, I'm sure I was less likely to take a risk or try anything that I, you know, might've felt proud of. <laughs> like I just wanted to do it right, you know, and not have that, that feedback. Mm, thank you. And that's what I'm talking about where like, so Kelly put some armor on around creativity. You know, we have, I mean, think about the number of kids that math is just, something that isn't isn't in their wheelhouse in their minds and so it at prenda the most important thing i think we do it, in the middle of all this really incredible way to learn is we bring we allow kids to come into a space that's totally safe and to take off that armor and to show up as the person that they are exactly the person they are in exactly the place they are and love and support them as that person in that place and and like it gives me chills just in saying that because I think about what would have happened for me had I had that as a kid um, and through junior high and high school. So hopefully you can get a sense of that. So collaborate, so create again, I mean, conquer again is that individual doing everyone working at exactly the place they need to at their pace. If they can move quickly, they have that chance. If they need more time, they have that chance. And then collaborate is coming together as a group. And then create is sort of, like a really fun combination of the two. So in CREATE, um, we have two different, uh, so there's a lot of research that shows the benefits of project-based learning. And so all of CREATE is project-based learning. And there's two, again, we have our younger, the what they do in CREATE for the younger kids and what we do in CREATE for the older kids. And with the younger kids, they do things like um, artists, studying artists and composers. One of my very favorite things they do in Create is called Imagination Station, where they bring really basic household items like paper towel rolls, boxes, tape, pipe cleaners, you know, et cetera. And they're given a prompt. So, so they're going to create something, but they're given a prompt. So one of my favorite ones is 100 rats have shown up in your house and you need to capture them without hurting them. And so they get to build something. And like 
while thinking about, they're not just building um, for the sake of building, but they're building with a purpose. And I love that. And so in our older kids, we've created in our software, this really amazing map of the world. So you can see that on the right, the Explorer Society headquarters, they're all explorers, they have an avatar and they have an all-terrain vehicle and they go all over the world into this map in our software where there are different ecosystems. And they learn, and all of these, these projects span all the different subjects, history, writing, science. So my daughter recently was in the Great Barrier Reef ecosystem, studied the plants, animals, and corals, and then created a diorama with a partner about that and presented it to her class. So one of the other really cool things about both collaborate and create is the opportunities that it gives kids to present um, their work and and learn to be comfortable in front of people, which again, one of those skill sets that will will help them down the road. I love all of the things that we do and create. Sometimes they're doing their projects on their own. Sometimes they're doing them with a partner. They span multiple days often, and so they come back and and work on that. And it's and it's really cool because our third through eighth, that whole span has the same. They go into the same map, and it's fun to see what a third grader can do and what an eighth grader can do, and 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 how they can expand that as they get older. Um, I'm going to show you this really quick YouTube video. If you guys, if there are any issues around this, let me know. My kids love to learn. They hate busy work, but a lot of his strengths don't come out strongly when um, in a typical classical classroom. The teacher came to me halfway through the year and said, he needs to find another school. He's not keeping up with the curriculum. Our little friend down the street came over to play and I asked him what school he went to. And he said, Prenda. We switched him over to Prenda and recognized almost immediately his confidence was building. And I love Prenda because the project-based learning is tailored so well to kids that think outside the box. It's very kid-friendly and it builds on their natural curiosity and desire to learn. I think this, this just works on so many different levels. Education isn't just filling a bucket, it's lighting a fire. And I feel like with Prenda, it has really lit most fire. You can go at the pace you need to. You don't have to wait for other kids, or if you're behind with that one subject, you can just go at your speed. And the kids are thriving. They love it, and they're, they love learning again, which had kind of fallen by the wayside. My favorite part is math. My favorite thing is the projects. The thing that he loves the most is debate. My son loves math. It's collaborative. He's talking with people. They're coming up with ideas. They're just like so proud of themselves and they just like really enjoy it. And the kids are more willing to, I think, listen to what they have to say and like have a conversation about that thing. These boys in his group have just put their arms around him. They help him when he needs help. Like you know something's working if a kid is going to do work that they're not asked to do. They eat it up, they love it. Just if everybody would do this, I think <laughs> education around would be just, it would be completely I'd turned upside down. He's learning to self-govern, that he's in charge of his progress. He knows his progress and he's driven by that. It was kind of a confidence booster. I mean, if where he's like, no, I can do this. And he just read it and did it himself. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything that specifically meets a kid's needs exactly where they are 
all the time. And it feels like Prend does that in a way that it blew my mind. If they can keep that spark all through their years, just think of what they can accomplish. It's gonna be amazing. Could you guys see that? That all. In this video, I'm going to go into more. Whoa, detail whoa, whoa! I gotta stop that. <laughs> okay, so let me uh, let's keep going with our. So I want to talk about how, like, what a micro school is. What does this look like? This is such a foreign concept with our. So again, it's in your own neighborhood. Um, the school schedule. Yeah. Go All right, ahead. Can I? Can I? You, I think you're going to answer some of these questions here. I'm sure shortly, but I just want to put them out there so that they're in your mind and everybody else's who might have the same question. Uh, so Lisa asks, "Is Prenda School daily? What are the hours? Homework, grades, slash tests? Just curious." And then she also asks, "If you can still Prenda along uh, with homeschooling as well." Okay. So let's look at, this should answer most of that. So it's in person. Um, like we said, it's in an informal setting. Most of our classrooms are in homes. Um, we have one in a, in a community church and, and there's a group that are gonna be down in Sierra Vista. They have rented space, really they found really reasonable space in a mall and they're um, our, our guides subleasing there. So there's a lot of opportunity for where these can happen. Um, so in the K2 range, it's, it's 15 to 16 hours in person. So most of those are going to be four, four hour days, and then they'll do four to five hours of educational work at home, whether majority at this age range we're hoping is reading, but also, you know, any music, any sports, uh, anything that is educational that you, as a parent, there's acknowledged as educational in third through eight, they're in-person hours. So most of our classrooms are four five hour days um, and then at home depending on their grade level they'll do another six to eight of additional eight hours of additional work that they then log as bonus hours and the micro school itself the guide and the parents are the ones that set that and decide where and when they meet so like kelly's class met at his house from eight to one monday through thursday and um and they would, he lives close to a park, so they would go to the park 20 minutes every day. And so the class that I was subbing, the mom really, really wanted this for her child and, and both parents were working. And so they volunteered their home and found a family friend to be the guide. And so the guide was in, in someone else's home, didn't have any of her own kids. So that there's a lot of different ways this can look and they chose, and then they had an open house and brought kids from the neighborhood. and and created this classroom that became a very beautiful place for them to learn. Um, classroom size, in both age ranges, the minimum is five. We feel pretty strongly that that we need that number of kids to really like connect with each other. Um, our ideal for K2 is six to eight. We cap those classrooms at eight kids and we cap our third through eighth at 10 kids. Um, ideally it's eight to 10 and uh, and then they get enough time. I mean, you think of, of student to adult ratio in traditional models, and you can see how beautiful this is, especially when the adult um, isn't needing to uh, distribute content. Kelly, I'd love to have you talk about um, kind of your student that you spent a lot of time with and why that was available to you in that process. Um. 
there's a there's a couple, but um, towards the end of the year, so we had one student from my neighborhood that um, you know had been struggling in math really since kindergarten. He's a fifth grader, um, just a sweet kid. He's like really positive and, and happy, but um, clearly shaken when it you know talk to you about talk about some of the armor ideas that Rochelle was getting at earlier. I mean, I could actually see that with him where um, just resistance to, to trying and taking risks and, um, and that was getting in the way and then you don't learn. And so then you feel, you know, it's like the cycle, right? Cause you, you don't try, you don't learn. And then you confirm to yourself that you're actually not capable of, of doing that. Um, what was neat is my class by this point, he, he came into our class late, probably March or something. So my, my, the other kids in my class had, had had several months to sort of get used to this idea of owning their learning. They knew very clearly every day, like this is my conquer goal for math. This is my conquer goal for English. They knew what to do when they get stuck. Like I'm gonna go off and you know watch this video or ask another kid or like they, they knew their resources and they basically could go without me. Now there, there's moments where each of them needs me for various things, often emotional coaching, right? They're just frustrated that day. But um, what that freed up was by that point, they were so good at self-learning that the one kid that really, really needed it and just just was stuck, I was able to spend a lot of time. I mean, up to like an hour of one-on-one -on -one every day uh, with this child and to see little bits of, of progress with him and to see him kind of look around and, and see the confidence of the other kids in the room. It, it was gradual. I, I can't honestly say that we're there yet. You know, we spent a couple months together, um, but he's planning on coming back and We'll, we'll keep that process. Really what we're doing, again, you know, going very back to the very beginning is empowering learners. And if you've got in your head this, this, these reasons or these stories that are preventing you from trying, then you're never gonna be a learner. So like we're, we're really working on that much more than we're working on fractions and decimals mm -hmm. and, and all the other things. And, and so that's what's great about it is you get this opportunity as a guide, you know, to really one-on-one -on -one work with them and, and provide that personalized you know, coaching and help that, you know, people, people need that. They need that help. Um, I'd say people be deliberately, like it's not just kids. Like I think all of us would benefit from being in a group of, of eight to 10 motivated learners, right. And to be able to, to draw strength from each other and help each other out. But that's what we've put together for the, the kids. And it's really amazing to see it work. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the, let's see where we are. So I'm gonna go ahead and um, punt this back. Just, this is the last thing I'm gonna say. I have never, um, I've never felt this strongly about a concept that I've come across in my life. And there's some things, I've, I'm a really passionate person, I have passion around things, but when I saw Prenda's potential in changing the trajectory of a human being's life, because so much of a kid's uh, so many of their hours are school and so much of of what they feel about themselves is determined by school um i've never seen anything like this and and it to me is the i, I there aren't words i don't have words for how meaningful this is to me and how much it matters to me that we invite as many kids as as are willing to learn into our environments and and just let them figure out who they are and how incredible they are so Kelly, I'm gonna let you go ahead and go on. Yeah, thanks Rochelle. <clears throat> Kaylin, do we have, is there a, a, any like specific questions or comments that I should be talking to you right now? Basically what I'm hoping for is that you're at a point right now where you're like, let's get this going and I wanna walk you through the steps of how to do that. 
Yeah, I think one one thing that we could address, especially when you talk about guides, uh, Rain asked if someone volunteers their home, what are the requirements for the home itself? So maybe as you're talking about what we need from guides, you could you could address that. Yeah, great question. And of course, we've had to think about all of those things um, for guides and for students. So hopefully, you're able to see the um, the slides still. Um, we've got this kind of four-step thing. So the first thing we want you to do, if, if you are like, I'm in, sign me up, um, you know, talk to us first and we'll see if there's a micro school nearby that we can, uh, we can just connect you up with that's looking for students. So that we do basically, well, it starts with a guide that wants to do it. And then those guides, if they have extra space. So there's, there's going to be a few cases where somebody lives close enough to you and they're already like open. Um, they've got a space. So just like start there. We can definitely answer that question. I would plan on that being pretty rare. I mean, oftentimes these things, one, you know, there's, there's not in an infinite number of them and, and they are hyper local. So the chances of them being right, you know, convenient for you. Um, so I would, let's plan on not having that happen, but you should at least check. Does that make sense? Number one. Um, <laughs> but what, what we do is they say, don't, let's not stop there. Like, let's go to number two and say, okay, how can we make this happen for, for us and our kids? And this is where we see, I, where I've had the most like satisfaction on the, the side of working with the adults here is there are parents out there that care a lot about their kids' education. Many of you have looked at homeschooling or explored, you know, or signed up for different options or shopped around. Um, there's a lot of that going on, especially in Arizona, but Really, it's a it's a nationwide trend, and it's growing. Where people want what's best for their kids. Um, so get together with other parents, have these discussions. You're talking about it anyway when you go out to dinner with friends or whatever. Uh, this is a, a great opportunity to say, "Hey, our kids like each other. They hang out. Um, what if we did, you know, school together? What if we could put?" And really, at a minimum, it's like three. I mean, you could maybe, if you had enough kids, even do two families where you could put some enough together to get the five kid minimum. But you know, say it's three families, right? That's not impossible for you to find out of your own connections and get together and say, hey, this is what I'd like to do for my daughter or son and, and what do you guys think about it? And you'd be surprised there's a lot of people out there that that are interested and we can give you the, the resources, you know, the video and the link and things that they can learn, uh, learn about how it works. Um, now, number three is where, you know, rubber meets the road, right? We need a space and we need a guide. Um, so the, the hope is that out of the three of you now that are the three families that are talking about this, that somebody says, hey, you know what? I like care about this enough that I want to be the guide. I want to do it. And we can use, you know, my house or my, you know, space in my office or studio. Um, we've had people that do music lessons part time and then they use the, the space for, uh, for Prenda, you know, or you could, you could do like a, a theater, like a performing arts. There's lots of different types of spaces. It just needs to be a space where kids can be comfortable and, and they can have an internet connection for those times where we, we use the software. Um, and then once that's done, there's a process that we'll go through. Um, you asked about, you know, what kind of space. Uh, we have a, a, like a home affidavit kind of thing where we just make sure the space meets the criteria. We do um, also a step where you'll get liability insurance for the home and then there's basic, you know, screening on the, the guides. We want to make sure that you're obviously going to be a safe person to trust with kids. So we're, we're looking at background and fingerprint cards and things like that. Um, and then the, the third thing we'll put in is internet safety as, as we want to make sure that we're protecting the kids as they're uh, working on computers. So we, we can walk you through all of that. We've done that now uh, many times. So that's um, just a process that we would guide you through. 
And then once you're ready, you know, we enroll these, enroll the students and get started. So that's, you know, sometimes your own kids um, and your friends' kids. But then what we'll find is even if you start out with five or six, you know, parents talk and pretty soon you'll, by the end of the school year, you've got, you've got 10. Um, okay, so at this point, you, hopefully somebody's out there thinking, hey, um, maybe I could be a guide, you know, and, um, and I hope you are thinking that. It's truly rewarding, uh, fun work. I have a whole career in technology and science. I studied nuclear physics. I built a software company. I've done all these interesting things. Nothing even compares in terms of career satisfaction um, and impact to, to this idea of being able to help someone and not just help them with fractions, but to help them see themselves in a way that will empower them for their life. So, you know, really we're finding the people that come and, and say, I want to be a guide, they're driven very powerfully by this idea of I can really make a difference. I can help alter the trajectory. I mean, I, I have moments, especially the, the harder days where I have to picture myself at the wedding reception of this child that's being <laughs> difficult today. And, and, and I'll say, you know, there's going to be a day where I can see this kid and, and they've grown up and they're, they're on this great path. And um, and that, for some reason, wedding reception is like my moment. I mean, obviously, there's maybe I could have said college graduation or something. Um, earn some side income. So, in addition, obviously, this is time. This is your time, and in some cases, it's your your house too. So, we definitely are, are cognizant of this. We're working in Arizona. We work through um, charter partners, so it's free to the the families that enroll. The funding is there, and that supports you to be to get paid up to thirty dollars an hour for a full class. Um, sometimes even a little bit more than that um, to make some money. And, and it's um, not going to be, you know, quit your job as a management consultant. But if it's um, if you're looking for a way to make some money during the hours that your kids are at school, by definition, these are the hours that your kids are at school, um, then this can work really well for people. It can be a very convenient um, way to just earn some side income. And that's, um, you know, it, it, can, it can be nice. And then the other thing that I, I think has really been a surprise for me as I've done it is it's this connection to, to your community. I think too many of us live kind of in isolation. This is a way to sort of put out there and say, hey, um, you know, it, almost like the way going to a park is like the kids are so good at, at just breaking down any sort of social barriers and then you you meet new people and you feel more plugged in. Uh, it's the same thing there at, with, with the Prenda Micro School is like you just feel this connection because you're doing something that matters in the community and like-minded people sort of come to the surface and you get to have these, um, you know, new friends and c connections that can be valuable. Probably, um, I don't know if that makes sense. Probably sounding cheesy. And then um, uh, people will often ask, well, can I even do this? We don't um, screen the way a, a teacher would be screened in the traditional setting. So you don't need a certificate. You don't need a specific set of, you know, academic credentials or something else. The idea is you've got to be the type of person that one, loves kids, and two, is, um, as a learner, right? You need to see yourself as a learner. We'll give you everything you need to be able to, to do this well. Um, if you come into it with this, like, like I've got this system and I know this works and I'm gonna do it this way, that's not a great fit. I mean, we really want to give you the, the tools and, and resources that can do. Now that said, there's lots of flexibility and we want you to step in and, and help create your micro school the way that, that will work for, for you and your kids. But um, I guess the point is you don't have to be like a, a content expert, if you come in excited to give a lot of lectures about microbiology, um, this is probably not a good, you know, a good fit. I would go to go to a community college and be a professor there. Like this is really has to be about the kids that you serve and and making these impacts. Um, you know, helping them see themselves differently in a way that will support them through their life. 
So if that makes sense, um, you know, be, become a guide. We'd love to have you. Um, I've been so impressed with the guides. I say I was the first guide, but I think I was also the the worst guide. You know, I, um, I it's not natural for me to um, just be. I don't know. I do love the kids, but um, I've seen what what's been amazing is to see um, people that are more organized, more like high energy all the time that have been able to do really a better job than I have at, at running this. And I hope that you listening are are one of those people and you can step up and, and do something amazing for your own children, but also other kids in your community. So that's it. Build something awesome is a, uh, is a cheer that we used to do when, back in the code club days. And hopefully you'll choose to build something awesome uh, right in your community with the micro school. Awesome. Kelly, maybe uh, we could answer some questions at the end here. Does that work? Absolutely. Kelly and over to yeah, Rochelle, you can turn off your screen share. There's a, um, you just click on the, yeah, there you there go. Yep. There's your face, yay. <laughs> okay, so um, you may have covered most of this. Uh, there's a question about asking what's required for the guide. Um, another person, uh, the same person, Rain, asked, uh, what, we have a group but no space or guide. Uh, and then the third question from that same person is, once we have it going, are we allowed to be exclusive on deciding who gets to attend? You want to start with that, Rochelle? <laughs> yeah, so the as far as like having kids, we're putting together a toolkit specifically for parents who are are looking for a guide, some some things that will help um, find a guide. You know, just kind of like I guess just helping you understand the kind of person who may already be in your existing network that you're not thinking about, kind of giving you some some a checklist of, do you know anyone that this, this, or this, and that might spark something for you. So as far as that goes, and then also there are guides, sometimes guides who don't have a space or kits. We're creating toolkits, both directions there. Um, and then as far as exclusivity, uh, we want everybody that, that works um, together in Prenda to be comfortable working together. We'll never, we'll never force a child into a micro school or force a micro school to take a child. Um, we would love to have that exclusivity um, be around principles that make sense. Um, Kelly, yeah, what else do you want to add to that? Exclusivity is the wrong word, right? Everyone's invited and ha has to be by law, but also like it's very philosophical for us. Like we want to make sure there's room for everyone in here. I would just say that what happens is, um, you know, the group kind of forms, says we want to do this, and then um, and then they find the guide and, and kind of make it happen. So. In that situation, like Rochelle's talking about, we're not going to inject a person in. But so by in, our inclusiveness is really all about just opening up more and more of these, um, as really as many as, as we can. So as we get more and more people that want to participate, we'll help them and, and work through the steps of creating a new micro school. So as opposed to like, I know some people are like, oh, it'd be weird if like it's all of the second graders from my street and then there's this like sixth grader that wants to come like that's don't picture that like that would never that would never be the case right so uh, if you're looking for people we can help you with it and uh, and support those introductions so as a follow-up to that um lisa was asking uh is third to eighth group is third to eighth grouped as one large group so maybe talk about how you group them yeah k uh k2 and, and that's kind of one model, and then third through fifth, and then sixth through eighth. Um, and then we'll see people 
kind of mix and match a little bit depending on their family needs and things like that, like who's in their community. But, um, but yeah, that's roughly the split. And there's flexibility with that where there needs to be. It's fun as they get a little older, those junior high ages, they're able to engage, especially once they've embraced this idea of being a learner, they're, they're able to do things that a third or fourth grader, you know, couldn't do. And um, I'm trying to think of examples like starting a, starting a business or, you know, like engaging with like arranging an internship with a, a job that they really want to learn about. And some of those things that in that level of flexibility, you wouldn't necessarily want like a third grader going off to a workplace, but as they like seventh and eighth grade, um, they're now old enough to, to sort of arrange that and make it happen. So. Awesome. Um, let's see. I answered some of the questions via the, the, the chat. So here's one that holistic mama asks. She says, um, sounds like she's interested in signing her son up and possibly being a guide but how would I go about having my boys who are years apart in this school? One is almost in kindergarten. The other one is going into third grade. Michelle. So it's, it, there's a, you know, in a situation like that, if it needs to be both, like we said, there's some flexibility in that span. There's some challenges to expansion. So one would be to choose an age group that she's the guide over and then seek kids that will meet, you know, whichever age range she's more interested in um, and then potentially find another guide to do the other age. So again, there's some flexibility there. If it was, I, I wanna have both my kids. Um, I always say that if you go outside of that three grade range, there's there are pros and cons. Some of the, it's not all cons. Some of the pros are mentoring that happens differently than would happen inside of a three grade range. And, and generally the cons um, are more work for the guide. It's just more need to be able to be organized and resourceful as a guide. Anything to add to that, Kelly? No, that's right. You can do it. Um, I think the best would be to, to go get your friends and be like, hey, we're going to have a, a three through five and a K through two. And, um, you know, you run one, get someone else that you love to do the other one. It's like, it's like the first time in the history of the world where you get to choose the teacher, right? Like not just <laughs> choose them, but like, you know, you're gonna like convince them to be the teacher and then like help them um, get set up. So yeah, I think there's a lot of power there as you start thinking about the people that you know and who would be interested in this. We have some of our really uh, more active people are like going into former teachers, like they go find their favorite, their kids, their favorite teacher that has ever taught their children and convince them like, hey, you're close to retirement, just come and open it. I mean, there's like lots of different ways um, but a good piano teacher, a good soccer coach, like people who are able to help kids be the best version of themselves and do that in a positive way. So that, that, that's the type of skill set. And um, yeah, as you start thinking about who do, who do I know that I would just hands down like trust with, with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think that is a question number one, who would I trust with my kids? I think when you're thinking about looking for a guide in your network, that to me, that's the question that matters the most. And there's like two layers of trust. Like one is like, they're not going to hurt my kids. I have a list of those people. And then it's like, <laughs> it's like the people, the, some subset of that list is like people who like, I, if my kid spends time around this person, I believe that they will be a better human being, right? Like they will take, this person will bring my child to a level of um, just open up doors for them. And, um, and that's, that's that mentorship kind of coaching, guiding aspect. 
Okay, well, we've used up an hour. Is there, um, we, we can definitely follow up if anybody has questions afterwards. What do you think, Kaylin? Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I, I think the last thing that, um, there's de definitely a few questions and comments here that, that sound like, uh, maybe let's give them a next step of, you know, how should they contact us? What's the best way for them to get in touch with us so we can take next steps? So let's just cut to the chase. I'm gonna give you my email address and phone number. And, uh, and you can contact me if you've been on here. So it's Rachelle, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E, at prenda.co, C-O. And then my phone number is 480-414-7073. So if you have questions, interest, you're ready to go, whatever that is, um, if you're not quite there yet, if you're not ready for a conversation with me, prendaschool.com. Um, has a lot of information there, and and you, if you fill in the student, like you, you're interested in your student signing up, that'll give us your information, and we'll be in touch with you. Awesome. Uh, I just also pasted both of those uh, in the chat, so um, so everybody can see that. Thanks everybody for your time. Um, definitely happy to continue the conversation. Uh, like Rochelle said. Um, we'll, we'll keep talking as, as you contact us and have questions. We have folks that are talking to moms and parents every day, answering questions like these. So we're happy to, to help you understand more and, and clear up your concerns so that you can see. So hopefully this can be something valuable for your kids and the people that you know and love. So um, that's it. We'll, we'll sign off with that. And uh, yeah, see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.